Be good. <laughs> hey there, friend. Thanks for tuning in to the Monkey Tooth Podcast. This is Andrew. I'm here with my dog, Pele. Tiffany's out running around on a hot-ass day in Larkspur, California. It's 100 degrees Fahrenheit, which I just looked that up in real people math. That's 38 degrees Celsius. Yeah, it's just hot. Just freaking hot. So you're going to hear some fans in the background, for which I apologize, but I'm not turning them off because it's just hot. Okay, I got a couple guests here today. One is a guy named Marcus. Marcus is on a bicycle journey from Mexico City all the way down to Argentina. However, he is currently marooned in Panama, as he will explain shortly. It's a very brief phone conversation we had over WhatsApp. He is uh, he's someone we met in Guatemala. We never had him on the podcast, but um, I'm, I'm glad to have caught up with him in this way. I really want to share with people... Um, some of the different experiences that people are having out there with this crazy virus, how this is affecting their lives and the lives of others around them. Um, and we're doing so through former podcast guests and people that we met on the road on our um, now suspended road journey from Alaska to Argentina. It's, uh, it's a privilege to be able to, to draw from this really incredible group of people that we met. Um, our second guest, speaking of incredible people, is Anya Katz, or Kates, as she sometimes says. She is the hostess of, or host, I don't know how she would want to put it, whatever. She hosts a wonderful podcast called A Millennial's Guide to Saving the World. And she's a friend and a very cool person. And she left us a really sweet and thoughtful message on WhatsApp as well. She, uh, yeah, she's out there traveling and trying to figure out what to do next. And, uh, yeah, you'll hear from her as well, a little update on what she's been up to. I highly recommend checking out her podcast, and I recommend checking out um, Marcus's writings. He's a great writer. He, uh, he's been documenting his travels, and the guy has been all over the world, as you'll hear, uh, just a slice of some of the places that he's been. And he's just an upbeat, sweet creature who's got uh, a lot to share. You can uh, go to our website, mtp.dog, and there will be links to both Anya's podcast and Marcus's writing. But I think it's Marcus Travels at WordPress.com or something like that. I think he actually says it at the end of our, our conversation, but I'll make sure you have access to that. And um, yeah, I hope you're well. I hope you're safe. And if you feel like sharing something with us or with the world or whoever listens to this podcast I highly encourage you to send me an email at uh, you can contact me through our website mtp.dog on the contact page and um, I'll give you my phone number and you can send me a whatsapp message or you can uh, write something if you don't want your voice to be over the air it can be anonymous it can be whatever you want it to be just as long as it's not bullshit I'd like to share it um, it's not that I don't have any ideas of my own but I'm kind of s- not sick of, but I'd rather not just tell my own stories. Plenty of incredible stories out there 
that I would like to share and showcase uh, that are not mine. So please send that in if you like. And if not, whatever, enjoy the ones that I'll be sending out uh, from former podcast guests and friends of the show. Until next time, I hope you're doing fun and interesting things. Staying safe, sane, healthy, all that sort of stuff. Enjoy our conversations with Marcus. Then you'll hear a small musical interlude. And then Anya Kotz. And then some more music, because that's what I like to do. Okay, adios, people. Hey Marcus, how are you, man? Can you hear me? Oh, we loud and clear. All right, cool. I'm gonna uh, try to get this, um, get the audio together. Uh, can you just say a bunch of words? They can be totally random. I'm gonna get your <laughs> level right. Um, what's the uh, what's the phonetic al- alphabet again? Alpha, alpha. Beta, Romeo, Juliet, <laughs> Crocodile. This it's is, raining a lot. This is getting more Australian but, as we go. I had a, I had a, chi- a child. I had an egg- existential crisis this morning because a child lost my, my bike packing strap. Uh, what else? A child lost your bike packing strap. <laughs> I, li- I live with a hyperactive four-year-old. Oh my god! One of one of my bike st- packing straps has gone missing, which, uh, when all the shops are closed in Central America, it's enough to trigger an existential crisis. I mean, honestly, and then trigger an existential another existential crisis because because you're having in the middle of a global pandemic an existential crisis over a strap. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the virus that no one really talks about is honestly children. I think that's the uh, that's the real scourge of the planet is that we keep making more children. Well, uh, thank you, <laughs> thank you for for calling me, man. I know uh, you've got a packed schedule there, uh, wrestling infants and uh, losing your shit. But, uh, so, just briefly, we met you in Guatemala. Uh, you are on a cycling journey from uh, where did you begin? Mexico City. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we met you in uh, Atitlan, Guatemala, and you're now in Panama, right? Yeah, that's that's right. How long has this journey taken you so far? Or first, how long did it take you to get from Mexico City to Guatemala on your or, uh, to Panama on your bicycle? Uh, so when I met you guys in Atitlan, I think I've been going for about four months. Uh, more or less. I spent three and a half months in Mexico and then I was a few weeks um, in the jungle and the highlands of, of Guatemala. And then after that, I started going quite fast, actually, uh, because I wanted to go to Colombia. Um, and it was a bit dry and hot in Central America. So then after roughly six months, I uh, was a hundred and 50 kilometers or so from Panama City when, yeah, the whole world exploded. Um, and coronavirus came along and 
yeah, then I I was uh, I ended up staying in Farayon, which is a hundred kilometers or so north of Panama City or west, depending on which way you look at the map. Um, for over four months um, during the coronavirus quarantine, and then two weeks ago I, I uh, moved to here, which is uh, 90 kilometers south of, of Panama City on the sort of the edge of the jungle that stretches um, right into Colombia. So, yeah. Wow. So you're at the edge of the Darien right now. Yeah. Yeah. Not far from the, the Darien Gap. Very cool. And you're, you're an Australian citizen and would have liked to gone home, but you were telling me it's like prohibitively expensive to get back there, right? Or to... to... Uh, so the situation is that uh, they're, they're to, to get a flight to... There are no uh, uh, direct, even, even connecting flights to Australia. Uh, I would have to fly to somewhere in the United States and get to Los Angeles and then fly to Australia from there. But the issue is I have been to Iran, Sudan and Lebanon, which are all on the blacklist of the United States. So I need a visa that is probably going to be denied. So I cannot go to the United States. Um, then the other option is to fly to Europe and then try and fly home to Australia, um, which would be expensive, but possible. Uh, but then uh, my city in Melbourne is in lockdown and is not accepting international flights. And the Australian government are limiting flights as well to, to, to arrive uh, in Australia. And if you do manage to pay all that money, uh, get on one of the flights, then you have to spend two weeks in a hotel in quarantine, and they are making you pay uh, $3,000, uh, 3000 Australian dollars to, to stay in a hotel for two weeks under police guard. So, yeah, it's not the most attractive option in the world. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sound so hot, man. Whew. Well, uh, I apologize for what it's worth for my country, not letting you come in. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we've met you. I'd sign on for a visa for you. I think you're all right. You, know? <laughs> you give me a character reference. Yeah, for whatever that's worth. That might immediately get you permanently banned from the States. <laughs> I'll try not to soil your your reputation. So, all right, you're you're marooned somewhat in, uh, in Panama, but you sound happy, man. You sound like you're having a good time, except for the fact that you're plagued by um, a child. Uh <laughs> What what else is uh, – how is it there, man? I mean, are you able to get around or is it still super strict? What's what's the scene in, in Panama? Um, so the, the uh, province of the capital and the province next to that are still in extremely strict lockdown. Um, men and women have to go out on alternate days um, and – you are only allowed out for two hours a day uh, according to the number of your passports. But in saying that, uh, the, the, uh, the, the sort of um, uh, enforcement of this has, got, has gotten a lot looser and a lot lazier from the police and the army. So 
we can kind of go out to the shops, um, but no, nothing is open. There is just supermarkets, uh, hardware stores, and the occasional um, uh, takeaway food. Um, so yeah, there is really nothing open. Um, I, where I was staying before on the beach, the restrictions have been lifted, so you can go out whenever you want. Um, but again, nothing is open. So, but people actually, uh, there's been no problems with with people being terrified of foreigners. Really, people are still being very friendly. I've been eating takeaway food just just by the side of the road. The mechanics are happy. My mechanic, I was sitting there on a tire eating outside his outside his workshop, and he came and brought me a chair, oh. and then asked me what what on earth what on earth I was doing there. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I I couldn't understand. After that, uh, unfortunately, understanding Spanish through a mask at my level is is quite difficult. So I <laughs> just nodded and said see. Sí for about five minutes <laughs> um, but yeah no like the thing is in in the end I'm kind of like I call myself the privileged refugee uh, the the guys at the restaurant let me stay for four months for free in exchange for raking leaves for an hour in the morning um, which really does not qualify as work and here also uh, I just chip in a little bit for food and then yeah, we do like three hours work a day, you know, on the weekdays, and and I just sort of smash things and sand things, um, you know, and and yeah, the the main the hardest thing is keeping a hyperactive child occupied, um, you know, and and I'm not I I don't like children, so <laughs> but apart from that, it's 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 all pretty all pretty chilled and and yeah all, 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 also yeah I, I, I can't really well yeah it's it's extremely difficult and expensive to go home but I'm also lucky that I have two very good passports so I have a British and an Australian passport so okay. I there are still some options I have some family in the UK I can go and stay with so uh, compared to some other people like who are in really really tough situations I have it pretty pretty nice I mean my mother is eternally stressed and calling me every three days um, but I mean I am sitting in the jungle while my family are locked in their house in the six degree Melbourne winter so I am the lucky one here at the moment yeah so, sounds like it and just to be clear whose kid is this whose child is the one that's stuck there with so, <laughs> The, the managers of the Eco Lodge, the Gypsy Eco Lodge, Pachamama here, uh, they are Turkish, Nejo and Uzge, and they have a little four-year-old daughter, Likia. Uh, so there was uh, uh, like 12 volunteers, maybe even 15, when the pandemic started, and sort of two by two, the men went marching out. Um, people left to go back to their their home countries. And yeah, I when I was messaging and asking them, "Oh, can I come and stay?" They said, "Oh, yeah, we still have two volunteers." And I, after eight hours of cycling through rain, cloud, and heat, I straggled up the hill, and little Likia came running out and said, "Everybody's left." 
it's just me and my mum and dad. <laughs> so oh, my, my, heart, my heart dropped a little bit, but actually two of the, the last two volunteers haven't actually left completely. So the, by the sounds of it, the completely mad Frenchman who owns this place, he also uh, has a piece of land on a lake nearby where there was a sort of farming community of sorts, uh, but they left. Then there was a hurricane oh that God. destroyed the house and all the, the things. Uh, but then they had, so the, the last two volunteers, a Russian guy and a girl from New York, decided that they'd had enough of, of Pachamama, needed a change, and so they they have gone there and uh, camping, sort of semi-camping beside the lake, um, building a new, bit of a new shelter, catching fish, eating fruit, okay. and they were doing this for a couple of weeks, and so and just this weekend they've come back for a visit. Oh, that's nice. So, yeah, so we've had a bit of company around, and they said, yeah, you should come and visit the lake, so... Yeah, we are going deeper into the jungle, so I'm going to go and check out the lake and do some fishing and pick some fruit. Cool, man. That sounds great. I mean, it, yeah, it's a fairly soft landing for, uh, I don't know, what we other stories we've heard. That sounds wonderful. But uh, can you give yeah. me a sense, like, how are how are the Panamanians handling it? I mean, do you ever see anybody else? Or you, <laughs> sounds like you might be a little bit isolated uh, there. Yeah, for the first two months, for sure, we were really like, I, I, I barely spoke to anyone except uh, people who came round to sell vegetables uh, out of the back of like uh, pickup trucks. Um, but after that, things loosened up a little bit. Uh, with the, well, even before the restrictions lifted, people just sort of started to go out anyway. It was like, I don't care. Um, so yeah uh, i don't know like like people people don't seem that paranoid about it as i said people have been pretty friendly um not 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 so bad uh i think in the big city people are really starting to to struggle uh when i i read about protests um uh of people saying you know we, we, we if we don't Die of coronavirus. We are going to starve. We can't feed our families if we don't go to work. And when I when I I moved here, I cycled all the way across the city, and there was a big highway just blocked by a protest. Um, so yeah, but uh, I mean, it's it's very strict. Everyone everyone is following. I think people are really following the rules in public. At least everyone wears a mask. There is no one. Uh, and you know, especially in the towns here in the hills, people are not wearing masks. But as soon as they hit the main road, everyone puts their mask on. In the shops, they they won't even let you in with a bandana or something that's not a proper mask. Um, but I think it's it's difficult to stop the spread because uh, in the poorer places, people live you know ten in a house sometimes. So it's it's just impossible socially distance and you know if one person catches it the whole house gets it that's that what about uh, Tiffany wants to know about booze are people able to sell booze again 
Uh, wasn't that like one uh, of the restrictions? Yes. No alcohol. Yeah. yeah. So, so the, for two months, it, they 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 banned uh, alcohol, but actually the it was only the big supermarket. <laughs> the, the, okay. the the small Chinese supermarkets where you would call up with a pre-order oh, uh, and pass through the window. So very nice. In, in fact, in fact, under the ban, we were drinking more. Yes. <laughs> and now, because the, of the bulk fallacy, as I like to call it, we would buy, you know, 20 beers at a time <laughs> because they're sitting there. Oh, another beer would be nice. Four beers down. Oh, okay. Whoops. Yeah, yeah. I think that's how it goes. It happens. Uh, you either drink more or you drink more concentrated stuff it, you know anytime yeah. prohibi- prohibition comes around the concentrates pop out so at least you yeah. stuck with beer yeah. you weren't just chugging straight grain alcohol well no, um, although there was a point where the local chinese shops ran out of full strength beer uh-oh. um and we 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 were drinking this sort of uh the the, the mid-strength stuff that tastes a bit like lemonade <laughs> Um, in 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 hindsight, in hindsight, we should have just stopped drinking. But, you know, it, the thing is, is it's just when it's thirty four degrees every day. Ugh. I don't know. I you know, I I grew up, you know, with beer advertisements every five minutes during the cricket. So I've been brainwashed <laughs> to associate summer with beer. Well, don't feel bad. Tiffany would have never. Uh, it would have never occurred to her to not drink either. So you're, <laughs> you're not alone. Um, okay, so you feel like you're okay. You're not in danger. You're not like totally stressed out other than the fact that you have an errant child uh, gnawing at your heels. Um, the pandemic is, I mean, it sounds like it's somewhat under control some places and some places not. I mean, it, it's so hard to tell. Like even where we are, you know, it, uh, we're in the San Francisco Bay Area, which has you know got incredible hospitals and all this stuff. It's a mess, man. Like California still, you know, the death toll is rising. You know, it's just running through prisons. I mean, it's it's really it's hard to get a sense of how things are, you know. But it sounds like in Panama, at least, you've got a kind of a plan. There's at least something that they're yeah. trying to do. Um, I, I think, like, uh, governments in Latin America, uh, are, 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 with the exception of Brazil and Mexico, uh, the governments are taking it very, and they have taken it very seriously from the very start. Well, um, you can throw Nicaragua when, when they, on that list. <laughs> yeah, can, yeah. Whether, they, whether they actually have it under control, I, I'm not so sure. Just the uh, just the, the health systems are, are really not not great here. Yeah. Um, people live, you know, really in crowded conditions, um, and they don't have the the sort of accumulated capital to just give people money to not go to work. Right. Um, which is what, like in Australia, they just started giving. A, 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 you know, a, everyone money just say, oh, you know, uh, we'll extend the unemployment benefits um, and same in New Zealand and places like this. So um, they are taking it seriously and there is a plan, but 
you know, I, I, I think with the virus, it, in some places, it doesn't matter whether you have a plan, you know, the, uh, we, and, and also as well, uh, to put my pessimist hat on, and you know, my, uh, I would really like to go to Europe and, and, and to, it, you know, I'm seeing these images of people in the pub and, and at the park and my friends, you know, my, 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 my family are in, on mountain biking in France. Wow, that looks great. But you wonder if in one month's time, because it was the same in Australia, it was like, oh, look, you know, everyone's back at the winery and it's all nice. And then the cases just started flying up again. And uh, now... In Melbourne, you can't go further than five kilometers from your house. Uh, you can only go outside to exercise. And, you know, it's 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 fully, full, everything is closed if you get. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this is this is also why people are so terrified and confused. You know, you really have no idea what's happening. There is no. You know, governments are trying to pretend they are in control, but you know, no one. No one knows. No yeah. one. No one is really in control. No one is. You know. You have a plan. Maybe it works in New Zealand. You have a plan in Peru, and yeah, you are at the cities where people are dying in the streets. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, on that chipper note, I'm glad that uh, <laughs> I'm glad that you're okay personally, and that you're in a, a good spot. And uh, I don't know, man. Just let us know how it goes for you. I hope you're able to to you know if you want to go to europe hope you're able to get there but if you're able to stay where you put where you are and be happy i mean it doesn't sound like the worst spot to me sounds pretty good but i, I yeah. know i know how it goes you know <laughs> well I, I don't know uh I, I mean obviously i have my days where uh you you feel like ah oh, this is never going to end um and i think i think i'm very sort of upbeat at the moment because I just had a change of place and it's it's still relatively new I mean I've been here for two weeks but in this sort of in this atmosphere where time stretches and warps two weeks feels like almost nothing um, right. uh, and, and also I've been doing even though I say I haven't been doing anything even three work, three hours a day of sanding and smashing things is more than raking leaves so definitely a bit of a bit of activity and and purpose has brought my i, I was getting a little bit listless and uh depressed by the end of the time at the village that beach yeah. um, even though the beach it was also a lovely place um you know we were outside all the time lots of birds going swimming uh, we also had a beach volleyball field um so we had some some truly epic clashes Beach, beach volleyball. <laughs> Boy, that you're really undercutting the message that you've been suffering through this pandemic, man. I, I, <laughs> it's been tough. Yeah, I mean, the volleyball just sounds exhausting. Oh, <laughs> man, how, how you managed. <laughs> banana, banana lounges and beach volleyball, you know? <laughs> forget, forget, forget getting stuck in India without your diabetes medicine. Yeah. I've had it tough. Yeah, oh my God. Well, man, uh, we wish you the best of luck out there um, and wherever it is you end up doing. Uh, let us know. Uh, you've got a blog, right? What's uh, Marcus? 
What's your What's your blog? Uh, so it's called well the the uh, the address is marcustravels.wordpress.com. Okay. The title of the blog. That <laughs> someone someone asked me to translate it into Spanish, and I was like, oh dear. Uh, the title of the blog is called Homebrewed Philosophy on a Bike. Homebrewed um, philosophy on a bike. Yeah, slightly long-winded. Um, That's all right. Yeah, so yeah, read that. And yeah, thanks, thanks for having me, uh, and thanks for the call. Uh, it always, always lifts the lifts the mood to talk to some 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 familiar voices. Absolutely, man. I mean, uh, I'm I'm glad we've got a chance to catch up, even on phone. But um, I don't know. Yeah. We wish you the, the absolute best out there, and um, we we. I don't know. We're going to read your blog. We'll tell people about it. And uh, curious to see where you land next. And do some more writing, man. You're a little behind in that blog, man. I, 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 it's it's, it's <laughs> raining right now, so Is I'll this, get, back, get back to the cold. Phase. Yeah, it's still the rainy season there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 think, I think the rainy season, it's it's more like there's, there's not really two seasons. There's more like it rains... And then there's a break in the rainy season, right? <laughs> for, for a couple of months, and then oh. it starts raining again. Oh, so so my my clothes have started to go moldy. Oh God, that's a fun situation. Well, Marcus, thank you so much, man. Uh, we'll catch up with you again no soon. No worries. Right, take care. All right, thank you. See Y en cambio tú, que me has dado a mí todo aquello que no basta, algo amor como el nuestro. Y en cambio tú, que me has dado a mí horas largas de esperarte. Qué tristeza hay en mis ojos Aunque sí, comprendo que te he esperado tanto Aunque sí, amor, deseo una y mil veces No resisto que tú no me hayas dado nada ni nada de nada Y en cambio tú, que me has dado a mí Todo aquello que no basta a un amor como el nuestro. Aunque sí comprendo que te he esperado tanto. Hello, Andrew. 
and Tiffany. I just got done listening to your little travel or lack of travel update. I was listening while using copious amounts of wet wipes to clean dust off of as many surfaces as I could in the van as fellow van dwellers, actually identical van dwellers, because we have the same van. (laughs) Um, I'm sure you are familiar with the dust issues. It's one of the very, very few downsides of van travel. It's the dust just never seems to uh, get clean. But I feel I feel pretty good about the 10 or so wet wipes on the floor right now that are basically black. So um, I wanted to send you both a message about what's been going on. I guess when I was on the podcast, this was last fall. And it's hard to imagine that any more could have changed since then. <laughs> um I guess back then I was just getting ready to give up my apartment after spending, uh, after Chris and I spent five months in the van last summer, we realized that paying for apartments in Los Angeles made basically no sense. So we got rid of them and decided to head to Southeast Asia for the winter. And the whole trip was supposed to culminate on a little island called Kopayam and we were going to sit there. It's one of the few islands on the Myanmar side um, that isn't overrun by tourists. It's super chill. The beaches are totally empty, so calm. And we were going to sit there for at least a month or two and write. Um, So before we did that, we traveled around a bit to different places in Thailand and went to Myanmar for a week or so. And then we were abruptly called home because a friend of ours in late January um, had a pretty tragic accident thing happen to her. Um, And we decided to go home and support her and be with her. And interestingly, when we went home, uh, the virus had just started in China and we actually had a layover in Hong Kong. So um, we had no idea what that was going to mean for America or if the virus was going to come our way. Um, But it was sort of interesting to experience the beginning of it in China in that way, Um, getting our temperature taken at the airport and wearing masks and Anyway, we came home and scooped up our van, which uh, our friend was keeping for us in the LA area. And we hopped in the van and went up to Northern California to see our friend. And we spent about a couple of months kind of bopping around Southern California, Northern California. And then once the virus seemed to getting a little crazier and we had no idea what was going on or whether or not interstate borders were going to close we decided to bug out to Colorado where we have some land we have yet to build anything on that land uh, and are still probably going to wait a little while but that to us felt like the closest to a home that we knew so we went to Colorado uh 
stopped at several Costco's along the way and bought food for what we thought might be the apocalypse, um, which we are still working our way through. I just opened a bag of almonds yesterday that I'm pretty positive was bought six months ago at a Costco. Um, anyway, we spent a couple of months in Colorado in this lovely little town, and it was it was lovely, honestly. It was very strange to be in a place that felt so calm and peaceful while it seemed like the rest of the world was going through a major crisis. There was a lot of strange feelings of both gratitude and guilt. Um, our parents live in Los Angeles and New York City, so uh, those who are most vulnerable to us um, or most vulnerable and closest to us were living in what seemed to be the riskiest areas while we were basically secluded in rural Colorado. So the whole thing was very strange. Um, then after a couple months of that, when things seemed to be calming down a little bit, we sort of got a sense of how the virus was transmitted and what was safe and what wasn't safe. We figured we would um, travel a bit more in the van as responsibly as we could and were pretty self-contained. So obviously spending lots of time outside by rivers and we just decided to see how it would go to travel right now. And it's been nice, I think, you know, I've learned a lot during this time about, I think, community and recognizing, you know, who are the people in my life that I'm literally willing to die for. Um, it's, you know, we're not going out and hugging random strangers, but as far as our close group of friends, it's felt really valuable to be able to see them and hang out with them. Um, whether that was having them visit in the last days that we were in Colorado or uh, meeting up with them on the road. A lot of our friends are also van dwellers. We stopped and said hello to you guys, which was really lovely and also very strange because right after we left is when you, Andrew, had a stroke. So that felt odd. I think we definitely wanted to come back. A lot of our our friends are in Northern California and a lot of friends that are kind of struggling or in need of support are there. So we've oftentimes considered just going back. Um, but we uh, are going to stay on the road, I believe, um, stay out in the woods. I think honestly, living a life like this where we're jumping in cold rivers and getting lots of vitamin D and breathing fresh air and eating good food and getting as much sleep as we can is the best way to stay healthy on our end and also make sure that we are not infecting other people or making other people unhealthy. Thinking a lot about what this virus will do in regard to um, showing people alternate forms of living life. So I think I read somewhere that there will be people kicked out of their homes in the millions in the next couple of months, which is horrifying and such a tragedy. And I feel like what those people might do to survive is to head to a warm place and camp. And 
hopefully they'll be okay. Hopefully we'll all be okay. Um, not to say that I'm, you know, unrealistically optimistic. I know that people are dying. I know that everyone's not going to be okay, but trying to think about the silver lining to these things, you know, what might happen to so many people when they're sort of, when there's a, a kind of forced exposure to living differently, you know, how much healthier might we feel? How, how much cheaper might we realize it actually is to live like this? And how much, you know, how much it costs to go to restaurants and go to Starbucks and pay for rent and utilities. It's interesting, since I've been traveling so much, how many people think that this kind of living is more expensive. And I found it to be the opposite. So it interests me to see how many ways of doing things that were so normal in the past might be uprooted by people just sort of forced to experience something differently. So that's what's on my mind as I watch this beautiful, beautiful river flow in front of me. Uh, I feel like we're maybe an hour and a half from Bozeman right now and going to be probably spending a lot of time in Montana and Idaho through September or so and then probably back to Colorado where I hope you will both visit us and take a look at this lovely little town and consider it as a place to settle down and buy some land and then who knows um, this experience has also taught me and I think all of us a lot of lessons around control it feels like trying to make plans feel feels like some strange kink or something it's like I can't help myself you know like oh we'll do this and then we'll do that and then here's the plan and it's so impossible it, it feels it is basically impossible to plan anything more than a day or two ahead at this rate and I think although that can feel frustrating at times that it's probably a very healthy exercise to help all of us let go, realize we never really had control in the first place, and just to sort of let the world show us what the right direction is, kind of forces us to be quiet. So I'm into that. I like allowing things to happen around me and just my action being just that I reach out for it, not that I go running toward it or searching for it, but just kind of float out in an orbit and when I see something I need or want or that makes sense reach out and grab it but other than that that's the most I can control miss you both hello to all your listeners and can't wait to see you again and take care to you and everyone out there bye one two one two three